Welcome to the High Income Business Writing Podcast, helping you propel your writing business to a whole new level. And now, here's your host, Ed Gandia. Well, hello there, and thank you for joining me for episode 101 of the High Income Business Writing Podcast. My name is Ed Gandia, and this is the podcast for business writers and copywriters who want to take their writing businesses to the six-figure level or the part-time equivalent. As a quick reminder, you can find the detailed show notes of this episode by going to b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 101. So, wow, man, episode 101. It's kind of hard for me to believe that we're actually at this point in the show because, frankly, when I launched the High Income Business Writing Podcast back in April of 2013, I was stepping into the unknown. I was excited to do this. Uh, but I was also nervous, and I was excited because I'd successfully launched other services and products, such as the International Freelancers Academy, uh, the best-selling book, The Wealthy Freelancer, which I co-wrote with Steve Sloan White and Pete Savage, and of course, my own freelance writing and copywriting business. So I knew I could do this, but I was still nervous to launch a show for many reasons. Uh, for one, I'd never launched a podcast before. I'd never even tried anything like this. So I wonder if I'd be able to produce solid quality content on a consistent basis. I wondered if the content would inspire listeners to make positive changes in their businesses and to attract high quality uh, guests. That That's also a, a big question. Man, can I can I actually do that consistently? Can I gain a loyal audience? Um, and, you know, it's it's never a guarantee, right? You might have aspirations. You might tell yourself, sure, we'll figure it out as we go. You guys know that I'm big into ready, fire, aim, but nobody wants to fall flat on their face, right? Nobody wants to scrap a project midstream because it didn't work out. It's never a good feeling. So on occasion of our 101st episode, I am thrilled to report that the High Income Business Running Podcast has been an overwhelming success. As I'm recording this, the show has had a whopping 277,000 episode downloads. I've been touched and inspired by your many kudos and comments, your many likes and shares, and I'm sincerely full of gratitude for the many fascinating guests who have agreed to come on the show. They've generously shared not only their tips and expertise, but also their challenges and triumphs. And they've done this very enthusiastically. They've really wanted to do this from the heart. I've been very careful about who I bring on the show. There are a lot of people out there who want to go on different shows solely to promote something. They don't really care about the audience or the topic or the guest. And I try to do as good a job as I can in screening uh, these people out because I want to make sure that we only have quality content, people who want to do this, who are sincere about sharing great ideas with my audience. The cool thing is I've learned so much from each of these guests, and I hope you have too. And to celebrate this milestone, what I thought I'd do is spend this podcast this particular episode reflecting back on a few of the highlights 
from our past 100 episodes. I wanted to wait till the 101st that we had a full 100 episodes in the can. And I had a, a complete set of, of episodes to, to choose from. And I have to tell you, narrowing it down to just kind of the top 20, which is, which is my goal. I wanted to kind of narrow it down to, to, to 20 episodes or 20 ideas. That was not easy. But I finally settled on a few episodes that resonated with me for a variety of reasons. Um, some surprised me. Some delighted me. Some provoked a lot of discussion. Some of these episodes got to the heart of the matter in a new and powerful way. And I will tell you, I didn't take the standard approach when people typically do this and bloggers and podcasters, they go by you know, number of downloads and they just kind of take a very mathematical and objective approach to this. I used a combination of criteria. Not only did I look at popularity and number of comments and number of shares, but also kind of the tone of the enthusiasm around the topic, you know, because many times the numbers alone won't tell you the full story. So I took a very subjective uh, view of all this and made that selection criteria based on some uh, subjective measures. I will admit that, but this is what I ended up with. And so let's go through it. These are 20 highlights from our first 100 podcast episodes, and these are in no particular order. So let's start with uh, episode 48. Uh, and really the takeaway here was just sometimes getting laid off is the best thing that can happen to you. Um, you know, when it comes to those gut-wrenching moments in your life, few can top the feeling of being laid off. If you've ever been there, you think you'll know what it would be like until you're until it actually happens to you. It's 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 pretty gut-wrenching and uh, traumatic and just full of mixed emotions. And if ever if you've ever lost your job, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's never easy. It never feels good. But that doesn't mean that getting laid off is always a bad thing. And in episode 48, Don Sadler, freelance writer actually here in Atlanta, great guy, he shared with us his story of getting laid off in 2009 and how he was able to turn his misfortune into a six-figure freelance business. There's a lot of great lessons and takeaways here. It's a very inspiring episode. And I remember one of the the biggest things that 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 Don shared that I think is everyone should pay attention to if if you're looking to transition is the fact that he started freelancing on the side. So he moonlighted for several years in his case. And by the time he was laid off unexpectedly, he had built up a strong enough business that he was able to transition very easily. Many of you know my story. I did something similar, but I was on a very fast track. I mean, I was just really humping it. I was going um, 100 miles an hour, and it was taking a toll. So it's not necessarily something I would recommend. I had a reason for doing it. Many people have a reason for going at that pace as well. But if you have a choice doing it the way Don did it over a period of years, man, that will give you such an advantage. And it Basically, he created an insurance policy for himself. So you'll find that at b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 48. Definitely one to check out. The next one was episode 23, and it was about content marketing. Content marketing has obviously gotten a ton of attention over the past couple of years. But when something gets hot so fast, you also have to wonder, 
if interest in that topic will eventually peak and fizzle. And there's been a lot of criticism uh, about uh, content marketing. Uh, some of my peers have widely criticized it. Uh, but you know what? According to Joe Polizzi, who's the author and founder of the Content Marketing Institute uh, and the author of uh, several books on content marketing, this is not the case. This is not a fad. And he shared his perspectives with us in episode 23. Content marketing, according to Joe, and I couldn't agree more with him, is only getting hotter. And that makes sense when you understand that content marketing is simply a new term for an industry that's been around for a hundred years. This is not a new concept. So this is not one of these fads that, you know, it's as soon as everyone just kind of gets tired of it, they'll move on to something else. This has been around for a long time. It's um, it's not going to go away because it's it's deeply ingrained into the way we learn, into the way we buy, the way we make decisions. It, content is is king, to use a cliche, and it will continue to be extremely relevant. Um, and if you look at the uh, if you look at the the statistics, if you look at the trends, if you just look at the fundamentals, you'll see that that's that's right i mean this is not this is not a fad like so many other things these days at the heart of content marketing is storytelling you know and i think that's that's really the the, the biggest reason why it's not going to go away as humans we've been hardwired for stories ever since we gathered around campfires and shared tales and this is this is the same concept but it, it just in a completely different environment and context so it's it's part of who we are. It's how we learn. It's how we gather information. Good content marketing follows that, and that's what you need to strive for if you're a content marketer. So you can check out the episode, my interview with Joe at episode 23, b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 23. The next one was episode 74 and it was about ramping up your business when you're new uh when you have to make this work very very fast so aside from dating and parenting a uh, few things garner as much unsolicited advice as launching or ramping up your freelance business right that's when everyone comes out of the woodwork and wants to give you advice especially people who've never freelanced a day in their lives they somehow feel they need to share with you their nuggets of wisdom on the topic uh, and in doing so, show their ignorance. Shockingly, perhaps not so much shockingly, not all of this is advice is, is legitimate, even if it does come with the best of intentions. So in episode 74, freelance writer and researcher Diana Schneidman shared 10 pieces of advice that new freelance business writers have probably heard dozens of times, but that they shouldn't follow if they want their freelance business to get off the ground quickly. I found that a lot of what she shared was counterintuitive and her advice was specifically relevant for people who find themselves suddenly freelancing and having to uh, sink or swim as quickly as possible, right? A sink or swim situation, they have to make it work fast. They have to start getting results very, very quickly. And uh, as you, when you look at it in that context, what she shared in that episode makes a ton of sense. One of the biggest advice pieces of advice that she shared is when you're starting out and you're in that situation, don't blog. 
and that's congruent with advice that I've shared uh, in the past for people in that situation or similar situations. So you can check it out, b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 74. It's a great interview. Number four was about financial advice. Since we're on the topic of getting advice, especially from people who don't really understand what self-employment or freelancing is all about, this one was one of my favorite episodes because it's something I think about quite a bit, um, financial advice and the financial advice that freelancers receive and why it's often not the best advice. So the tricky thing about financial advice is that so much of it comes from financial experts and kind of financial celebrities of money management books that are speaking to a very different audience. They're speaking to an audience of traditionally employed people. And in episode 92, my good friend, copywriter, uh, and marketing consultant, Diana Huff, throws the hammer down and all that standard financial advice that really, at the end of the day, doesn't work well for self-employed professionals. She gives some very specific and very realistic advice, strategies, and tips to help freelancers manage your finances and to actually live well when you have variable cash flow. And really, at the heart of everything Diana was talking about was that very uh, important element, variable cash flow. That's what changes so much of what we hear out there. That's what makes it irrelevant to a large degree is that people who are traditionally employed, for the most part, have a very predictable stream of, of cash flow uh, or income. And in our case, that's not the case for, for most of us. So how does all that change, all that advice change when you can't really predict not only when you land work, but when you get paid, which just throws a whole new wrench in, into the problem. So you can listen to Diana's advice at episode 92. It's one that I would, I think everyone needs to listen to regardless of, of where you live, because this is a problem that's universal for, uh, for freelancers in all professions. Number five was about the whole travel uh, angle and work wherever you want idea that so many of us fall in love with and start thinking about when we're seriously considering working from home and working uh, as a freelance professional. It's a very tempting idea, you know, to work from anywhere in the world, uh, but is this really possible? You know, can we really work from anywhere where there's just basically Wi-Fi? You know, do, is it all we need a laptop and a cell phone and Wi-Fi? Um, it's become kind of a, a, a cliche. It's become something that many people understand. You know what? It sounded like a good idea, but now that I get into the business, I realize that this is maybe not reality. But is it reality? Is it a dream? What, what, what's the story here? You know, is this possible even if you have some limitations such as young children uh, or anything that could maybe hold you back? And in episode 61, we learned that hmm, it's, it depends on how you look at it. There are many different ways to, to look at this idea and to live that dream. And my guest was Steve Roller, 
who has actually taken this dream and turned it into a reality. And as we learned from Steve in that episode, there are so many ways to do this. The only way is not the Tim Ferriss way from the four-hour work week. You know, Tim is a single guy. Uh, he has no responsibilities in terms of family. He could just, you know, get up and go. And for many of us with, with families and other limitations, uh, we don't have that luxury Steve is, you know, he's, he's got kids, he's got obligations and he's been able to make this work. And this is, this is, an, I love this episode because it really made me expand my thinking about this idea of just changing your environment and being able to work from different places. And the idea that, which was one that really attracted me to self-employment, but then I forgot about once I got kind of deep into it and into the day-to-day -day grind, if you will. After talking with Steve, I was inspired again, and and he got me thinking about it a little differently. And I know for many of you, that was the same case. This, this one got a lot of positive reactions. Uh, and I think Steve gave everyone lots of great ideas. Episode 61 is where you'll find that, b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 61. The next one was about mindset episode 84 so what's the first step in successfully making the switch from traditional employment to freelance work and the answer is that it's not the typical stuff it's not writing a business plan it's not building a side business it's not pumping up your skills necessarily as we learn from michelle ward in this episode the first step to making that shift to freelance work is changing your mindset and ignoring the vampire voices in your head. This is one that, again, it has to deal with transitioning out of either a full-time job or a different situation and into freelancing. Michelle did this like many of us have. She did it successfully. She brought new ideas to the table uh, that I think many of us can benefit from if you're in that situation. So it's definitely one that I would tune into if, if you're there or if you're in that process. Uh, because it's advice from someone who did it. It's not theory. Uh, and she, she, she's a very enthusiastic lady, shared a lot of great ideas. There were some great reactions to that interview. All right, moving on. The seventh episode, again, these are in no particular order, um, was one that I did on this the imposter syndrome. Uh, so if you're quietly surprised when clients agree to your prices or if you worry that someday they'll figure out that you don't really know what you're doing even if you've been doing this successfully for years then you're probably dealing or have dealt with the imposter syndrome and i would what i shared in that episode is that look you're not alone the imposter syndrome isn't new it's not unusual in fact many talented artists scientists elite athletes and even public figures feel unworthy of their success. And in episode 89, that's what I did. I peeled back the layers of, of imposter syndrome. I gave you a ton of examples of people who've dealt with people you know, uh, very well-known figures out there in, in, again, in the world of, of art, of, of film, of sports. And while you may never lose these kinds of insecurities entirely, my point was they don't have to hold you back. So I give you some ideas on things you could do, very tangible things to try to 
to to cope with with this very natural feeling of, of of just feeling like like an imposter. This one got a lot of reactions because every had a ton of you come back to me, many of you privately, just to tell me that you know that, you, that I hit it on the head um, and that you appreciated the fact that. I was very honest about this. I deal with this all the time. It's not an easy thing. I would say almost every day I have uh, this imposter syndrome feeling. It manifests itself somehow um, many times at least once a day. It, so it's it's crazy. It's, it is what it is. It's not about trying to suppress it. It's about just dealing with it and working with it and seeing it for what it is. So some Advice there from personal experience and from research I did on episode 89. That's what you'll find that. By the way, so all this is in the show notes. So if you're somewhere where you can't write some of this down, don't worry. Um, we got a very detailed summary of all these episodes uh, and the direct links in the show notes. All right. So the next one was about networking. And we all know that networking can be a viable way to land new clients. Few of us enjoy doing it. Most of us would rather do something painful, such as like get a root canal. We'd rather do that than to work a room, than to go out there and, and network. And the good news is, is that it doesn't have to be this way. You know, you, you can keep all your teeth. You don't have to get a root canal. You don't have to trade. Uh, and in episode 28, writer John Corcoran shares the his methodical but very authentic approach to networking, an approach that's so successful that it actually took them all the way to the White House. I liked the the step-by-step -step approach he shared there. I think it's very realistic. I've implemented some elements of that, but what John did was gave us, he gave us a, a clear picture uh, that that I think anyone could, could follow. So we've touched on this a couple of times, but I wanted to point out John's ideas because uh, because they were so clear, and I think it's any—it's something that any of us could really uh, copy and, and model. The next one was episode seventy-six, and it was about the whole issue of um, clients who suddenly go away, right? Clients or prospects who are in touch with you—you're um, quoting something, and suddenly they disappear out of the face of the earth. So, what happens when? Someone is interested in your services and then they just disappear. How should you follow up? You know, how should, should you follow up? And this is an annoying phenomenon that I think most of us, if not all of us, have experienced. The question is, how do you deal with it? And in episode 76, my friend and colleague, Elise Bennon, and I dug into this topic in detail. We gave some very concrete advice for how to deal with these situations. And what we did is we grouped them into different sets because I think that's the important thing. You need to understand the the context and the the, the actual situation, so you you have a protocol to follow, if you will, something you could follow depending on what the context is and, and the, the the background and and the details. So I think we did a pretty good job of of giving you a framework uh, that you can use to make better decisions. Because I think that's what most of us feel, right? It's this anxiety of Oh my gosh, what do I do? Um, how do I make this decision? And, and we end up doing nothing. In fact, we end up just stressing out and and it just keeps piling up. So 
I think you'll find some very specific ideas there on on how to deal with these situations, depending on what happened and what you've done so far. And that's all in episode 76. All right, this next one was a little bit on the controversial side, and I expected it, even though many of you weren't really um, too upset about it. But uh, it's about finding good clients on Elance and Upwork. And I will tell you that this is this is one that I've been trying to approach for a while. We've we've actually had one episode where we did a case study on one particular writer who's had good success there. But what I was hoping for is to find a guest who could really speak to a step by step system um, to to actually be successful in these these sites, and uh, we're able to do that. So. Laura Pennington came on the show in episode 95, uh, and she talked about her experience in getting started with very little experience. She was actually very young when she started this, had worked as a teacher for, I believe, a year or two. That's all the experience she had, and she had done some writing, I think, and some summer jobs that she had during college, but that's it, and she was able to kickstart her freelance business using Elance, which is now Upwork, Despite the fact that she had very little work experience, she had no samples, no ratings or reviews, and no clear guidance on how to make it work. She explains how to do that. She's been able to duplicate this for other people. She's been able to document this and and teach it. And she goes through her process in episode 95. I, I think it's if you understand how you can be successful here and and it's very duplicatable. It's this is something other people can replicate. If you understand the elements that need to be in place, then if, if you if you have the stomach for it, if you can be persistent, um, and if you're willing to go this route and understand what the limitations are going to be, this is definitely a viable path to follow. It's not for everybody, but for those starting out, uh, especially those with very little experience. Uh, then this this might be something to explore. So again, episode 95, she shares her ideas there. All right, the next one was episode eight. And I guess I'd like to introduce this by saying that for many of us, it, it does feel weird to ask prospects for more money or for better contract terms. We don't want to look greedy. We don't want to scare off the prospect. So we end up taking whatever prospects say they can pay. We, we just accept that. And then we grumble to ourselves about it later. But in episode eight, freelance writer Carol Tice points out that in business, negotiating is normal. In fact, it's often expected. So the lesson there was don't automatically accept the prospect's first offer. And don't automatically bow out if the prospect rejects your first offer. Instead, treat it as a starting point. It's more than okay to negotiate. And if someone doesn't want to negotiate with you, then they're probably not a good prospect. So Carol shared some great ideas there. I, I, it, I think for a lot of people, just judging by the feedback, it changed the way they viewed this. Uh, as artists, as creative people, we can take many of these things personally and I think one of the biggest takeaways was, look, don't do not do that. Uh, it has nothing to do with the kind of work you do or the kind of art or the, you know, the, the, the creative energy you bring into a project. 
there's a business element of this that you need to be aware of and you know you need to know how to manage it so i think all of us could use a little bit of training and some ideas and some tools to deal with these situations better and to negotiate a better deal for ourselves so that is an episode 8 this next one was episode 60 and this was an interesting one it was, this was extremely popular because it was a new idea. I'd never heard of this idea before, uh, but it's been very effective for my guest, Amy Dunn Moscoso. And it's about trade shows, but it's not the typical approach that many people take with trade shows where they go to a trade show, they work the aisles, and they try to drum up leads that way. That can be a great way to, to land work. It's expensive. You have to travel. You have to pay for the uh, the conference or the show itself. Uh, but this idea that Amy brought to the table is a little different. And it involves reaching out to the show manager to see if you can help them market the show with some of the marketing materials for the show. But anyway, I will let Amy describe that in more detail because there are certain important elements to making this work. And she goes through all that in episode 60 of the podcast. Uh, the beautiful thing is none of this involves leaving the house, traveling to all these shows. Uh, sure, you may not meet people face-to-face, -face, and that's always an advantage, but the impact can be fairly significant. Um, and again, it involves just, it involves no travel. This next one was episode well, there's two of them, actually, episode 80 and episode 16, and they have to deal with this huge question that's always coming up about picking a niche. Should I have a niche? How do you pick a niche? You know, to niche or not to niche, right? That is the question. Many of us struggle with this, uh, whether we're new, whether we've been out there for a while and we're looking to maybe get a little more specific. Uh, we, we struggle with this question of, you know, should we do this? And if so, how, what's the best way? Um, it, it's, it's something that uh, keeps coming up. Uh, I get asked about this quite a bit and in my coaching programs. Um, it's, it's one of the first things we tackle, which is why the wisdom that, that Elise Bennon, which is my guest for episode 80, uh, the wisdom she gave, gave us and she shared with us here was very comforting and it's basically this you don't have to just pick one niche and you don't have to dive in with both feet you can try a couple on for size especially if you're just getting started and then just adjust as you go because you know the reality is that nobody with the exception of a very lucky few nobody out there nails his or her niche on the first go around i also introduced a contrarian view on niching in episode 16. So that one was just me. It was a monologue. And in that episode, I explained why you don't need to specialize or to declare a niche in order to launch your freelance business. So again, we talk about both of these. I think these go well together in episode 80 and episode 16. All right, moving on to this next one, which is episode 58 uh, was about you keeping your lead pipeline full. And as a freelance, freelance writer and coach, I know all about the challenges that freelancers face when launching or ramping up their businesses. Things like, you know, prospect wants you to lower your prices. Your client wants you to 
make yet another set of revisions to your copy. Your client is late paying your invoice again, right? You're trying to take your business in a different direction, but you keep getting offered the same kind of projects. The good news is that you can eliminate or certainly alleviate a lot of these problems when you have the power to pick and choose your clients and prospects. And the way to gain that power is to always be marketing. In other words, to keep that pipeline of prospects and projects full. And always be marketing is just one of the many valuable tips that Bob Lai, legendary copywriter Bob Lai, shared with us in episode 58. This is probably one of the most popular episodes we had had uh, when when it aired. Uh, it's still one of the most popular episodes uh, of the podcast. And Bob shared a ton with us. In fact, we went all over the place with questions uh, because I reached out on Facebook for a question ideas people that uh, I mean questions that people wanted me to ask of Bob and Bob was very gracious with his time and his advice he's a very very interesting very smart and very generous and gracious guy love Bob and you'll find a ton of his secrets a ton of his tips and ideas and some he's never I never even heard him talk about some of these things you'll find that in episode 58 of the podcast this next one was about working by yourself. You know, kind of the the fact that it's freelance writing, freelancing in general can be a solitary pursuit. It's you, it's your laptop, you know, your cat or your dog and a few resources, maybe a cup of coffee. That's that's it. That can be a very lonely game for a lot of people and it's no wonder that it ends up becoming a reason for many freelancers to end up going back to the workforce. It's one that we don't talk a lot about. You know, we, we tend to focus on, well, if you went back, it's because you either got burnt out, somebody made you a better offer, or you couldn't get enough clients. But feeling lonely is a big reason why a lot of people end up going back to traditional employment. And, you know, it's not for everybody, certainly. But what makes me sad is when people who would rather everything else being equal be self-employed, they, they need that freedom and flexibility. But this was the reason why they end up going back. I think it's sad because there are ways to combat the isolation. And in episode 41, coach and freelancer Hannah Brame taught us that working alone doesn't have to mean working lonely. She actually gave us several really solid tips for reconnecting with other people and banishing our feelings of isolation. If this is something you've dealt with in the past or you're dealing with now, I highly recommend it, and that is episode 41 of the show. The next one was episode 49, and this is about what successful and consistently successful freelance writers do differently from others. You know, why do some of them do so much better? And why do they do so much better year after year? Why do some of them rack up win after win while others continue to struggle? Over the years, I've been privileged to talk to some of the most successful freelance writers in the business. I know many of them. So we've had some really great conversations. I've been able to pick their brains. And through these conversations, I've identified 11 essential things that successful freelance writers do differently. And in episode 49, I walk you through them. 
Now, what's surprising is that none of these differences are earth shattering. Some are simple practices. Some are subtle shifts in mindset. I don't think you're going to find huge new ideas there. All are within the reach of any freelancer who's willing to make some changes. But I think if anything, if you can just go through that episode, go through that list and listen to the insights that I share with you there. Again, many of them are translated directly from the people who shared them with me. I think it will start. It will make a difference. It will help you see things a little differently. And in many cases, will be reminders that, let's face it, we all need to get back on track. So that's one that I think everyone should listen to, to episode 49 of the podcast. This next one has to deal with getting paid uh, and specifically how to get paid faster because the possibility of not getting paid can be a very scary thing for many of us. Non-payment, delayed payment, as we talked about with when I introduced the uh, Diana Huff episode, can impact cash flow in a big way. And cash flow, I mean, many of us just live by cash flow. So in episode 81, we address this head on. Attorney and negotiation coach Katie Lane, who's a wonderful guest, um, gave us a number of suggestions to help make sure we get paid and we get paid on time. And one of these suggestions was to request payment when you deliver something of value instead of waiting until project completion, which is really, it's a huge shift, at least for me. And I know it was for many listeners, the way we typically think about this stuff. So this is one that you know, we, we have brought her in to talk about um, contracts and, and problems uh, with, with, with clients, but there were some insights there on, on getting paid that were, man, they were just huge. Uh, and I know uh, just from talking to some of you, people implemented immediately and it started making an, an immediate difference in their business. So some great stuff there in episode 81 of the show. This next one was about a, a strategy or an approach that I don't typically recommend, which is charging clients by the hour. You know, many of you know that I'm not a fan of quoting hourly rates, at least not as a as freelance writer. But the question is, should you never charge by the hour? I mean, is that just a no-no across the board? And the answer is not necessarily. There are situations where it does make sense. And this episode is, is a great example of that. I brought in SEO specialist Catherine Andes, and she made a very powerful argument in favor of hourly rates for the type of work that she does. She's an SEO professional, and she talked about it in episode 20. She explain that in some circumstances, when done well, when done right, and when positioned correctly, hourly rates can make sense. So again, if if you're in a situation where you know you've heard me preach about this, but you think, you know, gosh Ed, but for the work I do or for some of the work I do, I just don't see any other way, then that's one you'll definitely want to listen to. And again, that's episode 20 of the show. All right, moving on to episodes 33 and 34. This set of episodes, frankly, one of my favorite uh, sets of of episodes in, in the whole first 100. Just because, you know what, 
things don't always come together for your business. You know, especially when you've worked hard, you follow the best advice, you've implemented great ideas, you've tried very, very hard, and no matter how much you do, you still can't get where you want to go. And I've seen this at all levels of freelancing. I've seen it with people trying to make the leap. I've seen it with people who are already there and trying to get to the next level. I've seen it with people who are already doing very, very well, but they're looking to scale back. So let's say they're doing you know, six figures. They're looking to scale back without sacrificing their income. And at all of these levels, they're stuck. And no matter how hard they try, it seems like hard work and smarter strategies aren't doing the job. And when that happens, I've found that it's time to turn your attention to the spiritual side of freelance success. And in episodes 33 and 34, my good friend Pete Savage walks us through concepts and questions we can use to solve the problem of not reaching our goals, even when we're doing everything right. These are the two episodes that I send people to when they come to me and they tell me, Ed, I've tried everything. I am working night and day and just slaving away and doing everything right. And when I can tell that, you know, that they are doing everything. So what is it? You know, and I find that in these situations, it's not something they're not doing. It's something beyond themselves. And this is where I send them. And I don't think these episodes necessarily have a specific formula, but this is about thinking about the problem a little bit differently and realizing if you're a spiritual person, that there are other forces at work uh, that, um, that that can impact your business. And sometimes we need to surrender a bit to the spiritual side of, of freelancing to make advances in our business and in our lives. So I thought it'd be fitting to finish my episode 101 uh, with a word about gratitude because in episode 31, I shared with you my daily gratitude ritual. And basically every morning, I just take a few minutes to give thanks for the many blessings I have in my life and the blessings yet to come. Some of these blessings haven't materialized, but I'm being thankful and grateful in advance for them. And I want you to know that a constant focus of my gratitude has been you, my listeners. In fact, I give thanks to you guys every single morning because without your support this podcast wouldn't exist so i want to personally thank you for listening for being a loyal listener and supporter of the show thank you for subscribing on itunes thank you for leaving a review or sharing an episode with with a friend or colleague thank you for asking a question for making suggestions on episode topics for volunteering to come into the show when you have something to share for leaving a comment, for liking us on Facebook. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for all those things. And I especially want to thank people who I rarely thank publicly. And I, I just want to do it right here. And it's my team here at High Income Business Writing. Crystal Coleman, who works tirelessly to make sure that everything runs smoothly in this business. Many of you know Crystal. She's an amazing lady. Uh, just incredible incredible work ethic and dedication. Brenda Spandrio, Brenda does an amazing job with customer support. She is, again, just works 
all the time and, and is so dedicated to this business and to my tribe, wants to make sure people are happy, wants to take care of everybody. She's just an amazing person. Holly Yost. So Holly, she works on all my show notes. She does a, a lot of content writing for me. Um, and here again, just a pleasure to work with. Super hard worker, very talented writer, uh, just, an, just an amazing person all the way around. And Katie Kelly. So Katie is our designer. She makes us look great. Um, and just another just wonderful beautiful person who's just such a pleasure to work with. I am honored to to have these folks in my team. And honestly, I, I look I look at the list all the time and, and just wonder, wow, um, how did I how did I get so lucky to, to work with, with such amazing people? Um, I, I'm I'm really a blessed man. So you guys are amazing. Your dedication is unparalleled and I'm honored to be working with each and every one of you every day. So thanks for listening, everyone. Let's plan to do this all over again after the next 100 episodes. I hope you have a fantastic rest of the day and we'll talk again real soon. Take care. The High Income Business Writing Podcast is a production of B2B Business Launcher. Learn more at b2blauncher.com.